and welcome to the Greenville Smart Podcast. We are back with a special guest today. Um, I just want to preface this by by um, talking about my adventures. I think it was last week I got to visit our, our today's guest out, um, out at our new equestrian program's main hub, and I got to meet a horse named Rebecca and have a great day. And that was all made possible by Elizabeth Bays, the director of the GU Equestrian Program, Greenville University's new equestrian program. Welcome. Thank you. And Thanks th for having me. Thank you for having me the other day. That was yeah. so much fun. I've had a lot of people uh, react to uh, the pictures and the, the, the day. And, oh, good. Um, a little jealousy and some of that. They thought that <laughs> like a lot of fun. And it's uh, understandable uh. because... I hadn't ridden in, like I told you, I mean, decades. Maybe mm -hmm. the last time I was on a horse was in my 20s. And you made it so easy. And it was just, I, I can't wait to do it again. Good, that's, good. Yeah, uh, and I didn't know that I would be like that. But there's something um, kind of magical about re relating to such a large animal mm -hmm. and um, uh, just finding a kind of a symbiotic um, uh, I don't know how, how else to say it. Symbi symbiotic relationship in a way, very, albeit very brief, but uh, just getting that vibe and that rhythm of, of riding. And, um, and I survived and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and Rebecca was the sweetest horse in the world. So thank you. Um, and let's talk about you for starters. Um, I want people to get to know who you are and how how you got started on your, your journey of, of writing and teaching and all of that. Sure. I have been around horses since I was seven. And my grandfather in West Virginia, he raised horses. He was a little bit of a horse trader. So we moved to St. Louis when I was real young, like when I was three. But we would always go back to West Virginia for like two weeks at a time. And that was my heaven on earth because he always had a horse in the pasture. And so I would go out there and he, of course, nobody could go out there without him, but he would, you know, take us out there and let us ride. And I remember a turning point for me, I think I was 12 and we went out there, all my cousins were out there because my, my mom has a large family. It was my mother's dad that had the horses and he had, he had this new horse out there and it was kind of a spirited horse and it was given some of the kids fits and he would always let the boys ride first he would put the boy cousins on first and then he would let the girls ride and uh so i watched all my cousins go ahead of me because i was one of the younger ones and then when it came my turn i got on that horse and um i'm like by golly i'm gonna make this horse <laughs> do what it needs to do and so i went over my allotted time because each student like or each like cousin you know had a, a time frame to ride and i I went around and I was going to make that horse listen to me and it was giving me all kinds of problems and eventually I got it to, to move out and to lope and everything. And um, when I came back, I instantly thought, oh my gosh, he's going to be so angry because I took up time and because he was very strict, man. And I, I got off and I kind of stood off to the side to let the next cousin ride and he just, he didn't say anything. He just stood there and he just looked at me and he said, you did a real good job. Aww. And so the next morning when I came downstairs and said hey are we going to go out and get the horses he says well you don't need me he's like you go out and do it and wow. and that was that of course that was just huge you know I was like oh I was walking on cloud nine after that because here grandpa trusted me with this horse and every time after that every time I came out he let me go out and do whatever I wanted with the horses 
So um, that kind of fed the early onslaught, like, I'm a horse person, you know, I, I love this. And then later on, when I was 15, uh, my neighbor, she was 48 years old, and she was fulfilling a lifelong dream of getting a horse for the first time. She'd always wanted a horse. And so my sister and I were, we were known to go around the neighborhood, galloping our ponies around. We would just be out all over the place. And so we saw him out with the truck and trailer and we raced over there on our horses to say hi. And uh, she's like, well, you guys are going to have to come over and give me some tips, you know, because I've never done this before. And so I'm like, sure. So I was over there like every day, (laughs) right, like trying to ride with her and help her. And she actually ended up having a behavioral issue with the horse. Uh, whenever she would take the horse away from the barn, the horse would rear up with her because it didn't want to leave its safety area, the barn, because it was by itself. And she, you know, of course, it was scared her because she had never really rode much before. And so she called me up and she said, can you come help me? I can't, I can't ride this horse. And so I spent um, like a month or so with her and the horse working with it. And I got it to quit rearing. And I was able to get her to, to ride it off. And I remember the first time she got on it and she was able to go out and ride and the horse didn't rear. She it listened to her and did what she wanted. And she was so grateful. She was so thankful. She, she just was just thrilled to death. And I remember when she um, thanked me, I just had this feeling go through me. Like, I think I want to do this the rest of my life. It was just so much fun. And I think I want to be a riding instructor and a horse trainer. And I want everybody else to have just as much fun as I do with horses. And I was 15 at the time. And that just started it. I started like looking up things online, like who's the trainer? Who's where can I get certified? Where can I do this? And, you know, in the horse world, it's different than academia in that you don't really go to a college to get to be a professional in the horse world. Instead, you go through an organization or you go work under a nationally known trainer or instructor. That makes sense. Yeah. And so you kind of get your accreditation through them or the organization. And so what I did is I just went with the most popular riding instructor association at the time, which was ARIA. And it was based out of um, Naples, Florida. And um, it was like a three-year um, deal that I went and got certified through them. And then I was also at the time traveling and just following trainers around because trainers at that time would travel around the United States and they would give like three and four day symposiums and clinics and you could pay extra to ride with them and get like personal instruction from them um, or get front row seats and ask them questions and also around that time there was like these equine affairs that popped up in Ohio, California and Minnesota and they would draw in um like 60,000 people for the for the weekend and more and they were hosted like in Ohio it was hosted at the Ohio State Fairgrounds which is where they also do like the World Congress for the American Quarter Horse Association okay. so in Ohio is I mean there's lots of states that are big on horses but Ohio was one of the biggest ones um other than California and so several years they would have not only all of the top trainers there but they would have um, the O'Connors like the Olympic riders that had been in the Olympics that year Um, they would come and they would do clinics and um, that is kind of where I got a lot of my education because I would pay and then I would pay extra to go you know um, personally talk to them and learn like watch them do things and I did that for over 10 years and nowadays you can't do that anymore they're so popular now that they're too big to come to these fairs. Oh, 
Okay. Like every once in a while, they may get one of these top names to come by the fair, but they're so big now. They have their own organizations and you there it just it costs like so much money to go and ride with them even for like a day but those um fairs is what launched their careers though and then with the internet the explosion of the internet because that was over 20 years ago that was like over 25 years ago and so it was i kind of got in right at the beginning when they were all coming out and i feel blessed to be sort of the sweet spot yes i do looking back on it now and and how i see how it's all set up today i feel like that was an open door that i just went right into and i didn't even realize that at the time to be able to work with all of these trainers who now I mean one day with them costs like ten thousand dollars so it's just amazing and then they also put out um, curriculum where you could do it online Uh with videos and stuff and that you would what you would do is you would go through their stuff and then you would submit a video of what you did and they would graduate you if they saw that you completed the courses and I did that too in several other cases so you kind of got certifications for yes you accomplished level one you accomplished level two you can do this with a horse now Um, and so I did several of their online programs and those online programs are still available today they've just been reformatted and you just sort of figured this all out on your own yeah because I was the only one in my family like my parents aren't into horses and my sisters rode with me a little bit, but it was definitely my dream from the get go. And it was, it was my, uh, my passion. And I, when I started, I was real young, nobody knew me and nobody knows what I was doing, but I tell you, I had, um, a wonderful connection. My sister worked for the Greenville vet clinic. She was a veterinary technician. And at that time, Harold Garrick and Harold Bristow owned the practice and, um, large animal vet. So they were all over the county traveling and when they would come to our farm and like give our horses shots or something, they would just notice how well behaved the horses were. And my sister would brag on me and she said, yeah, Liz has trained all of our horses. And so they said, well, this is great. So I remember, I think it was Dr. Bristow said, why don't you go type up some business cards and I'll hand them out for you when we're out on calls. And that's what they did. They would be out on a call. And if they were watching an owner try to catch their horse (laughs) or they would have the horse caught and the horse would like try to kick the vet or would, wouldn't let them give shots or something. They would, you know, hand them their car and say, Hey, you should give this girl a call. Call. She might be able to help you with your horse. How old were you at the time? Um, I was between that all happened between the ages of 18 and 23. Okay. Yeah. And And did you know, okay, so you already know you have the love of horses and everything, but this is becoming a business at this, this point. Yeah. Did you know how to do that? No, no. And I started reading about that because I knew my two options were either go work for a big name trainer Mm -hmm. in their facility or attempt to start your own. And in my mind, I think I just wanted to do my own. I I wanted to do my own thing because I I had seen enough in the horse world to know that there was a lot of horse people I didn't want to learn from. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was worried that I would have to adhere to their standard of training and if I thought it was abusive or I just didn't like how they were getting the job done I didn't want to be tied to that so um I actually when it came closer to time to launch my business I reached out to um the Kaskaskia um, I think it was I can't remember what it's called at the time but it was their entrepreneurship for oh, small yeah. businesses and they for free they had a grant oh, wow. and so if you signed up with them they would assign an advisor to you and they would be with you for a year and I I'm trying to remember his name, but he was so nice. He drove down and he would meet with me once a month. And he talked to me about what 
all was involved in being a small business owner, like what you need to do for taxes, like set up, and if you needed to buy a grant or any, like apply for money. Um, and I learned a lot from him. Oh, of course. And yeah. he referred me um, to books to read and stuff. And I, I looked up stuff. And I talked to a lot of people too. Like I asked them, like, how are you running your business? And that was just very helpful. And it just kind of evolved into where I was also working part time while I was trying to build this on the side. And I was 23 when I went off full time into the business and decided I'm just going to do this full time. And then that was it's been that way ever since. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That is really impressive. (laughs) It's been a long, hard journey. (laughs) So so smart. And it seems like your instincts were just spot on and that's you know yeah that is something and i didn't even ask you about all that i'm glad i didn't ask you about this when we met earlier because i'm, I'm glad we can catch this now mm-hmm. um and that's just really practical good advice for anyone starting a business just read up on it yeah. and talk to other people that are already doing it and at right. that young age because speaking from my own experience i had a small business and Honestly, sometimes you get into it, and ours was sort of by accident in a way, um, just kind of came up. But sometimes you get so busy in the business part of it, or the art, or say you know like the the talent part of it, the um, you had that talent with horses, the creativity part of it that you don't think about the business part of it, and mm-hmm. that is ultimately going to be the downfall. Oh, for sure. If you don't know what you're doing. Yes. And um, and it's it's easy to let everything collapse. If you don't mm-hmm. know, you can have all the talent in the world and all the skills. If you don't know that part of it, then forget it. Oh, you know? you're totally right. Yeah. So that is, that's really important. And uh, yeah. Wow. So you have this, um, this business going on. You have a name. I mean, and I already knew of you before we met because people had talked about, Oh, well, yeah, Liz Bays, man, she's the one around here. Um, you know, that teaches the, the riding and, and all that. She, she knows her horses. How did all of this, um, how did you get connected with Greenville University and what's going on? That was through President Suzanne Davis. Um, It was one of those things where I think people were telling us about each other long before we ever met because some was one of those things where like, if you have horses, you must know everybody else that has horses too, Mm -hmm. but neither one of us had ever heard of each other. And so one day she reached out and it was because she had a young horse. Um, She raises Belgians and she um, had bred her Belgian mare. She'd gotten this beautiful uh, buckskin mare and um, she was training it, but um, she also had um, some limitations due to some um, health issues that she was working through at the time. And she just wasn't able to devote the time to the horse. And she knew she wanted to get it going. She didn't want to let it sit and go to waste. So she called me up and said, hey, come out. Can we meet? And let me show you what my horse is and see if you can help me. So I went out and met her and... Um, I'm like, sure. Yeah, I can help you out. And what I really liked is, um, she wanted to be a part of the training. It wasn't just, I'm going to give you my horse and do it. She still wanted to be active. And, um, I remember at the time, uh, working with her, uh, I was impressed with her because most of my clientele are beginner or intermediate, Mm -hmm. or they don't know anything about horses. Um, and so it's always refreshing to um, work with a person that has, that seems to have almost just as much experience as you do, um, and they're knowledgeable in their field. And so it was really good because I always felt like I just kind of sit on the fence and said, do this, and she'd go do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but she, you know, 
um, that's basically how I met her. And that was, I believe, seven years ago. I really haven't thought about it, but I think it was six or seven years ago. And so I worked with her horse and we got her going and riding. And from there, she just kind of, we just kind of kept in touch. So whenever she would have like a, something come up with her horse that she wanted me to work on, or she would get a new horse in, she'd say, Hey, come do a tune up or help me do this. Um, and that's, that's how I met her. Yeah. And then, um, I think it was maybe two a year and a half ago or something, you know, she mentioned to me if, um, if GU ever does like a equine program, would you be interested in being part of it? And I said, maybe, you know, depending on what it is. And it was kind of funny because I think all along, you know, once you get to know president Davis, you know, that she's, she has her goals, she has a vision and she definitely brings everybody along with that. And so she kind of probably already knew going forward what she wanted it to look like. And I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know? And then it kind of kept getting more serious. Like when she would see me, she said, you know, why don't you think about this, you know? And I remember at the time when she said, I think we're gonna do this. I remember thinking, good for you, go for it. <laughs> no, <laughs> right, right. I'm like, you, you go do that because I still, you know, I love what I do. Right. I love my business. I love my clients and my students. So I wasn't really thinking of a job with GU. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, yeah, I'll help you. Give me a call if you need some. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, you, already, you didn't even know that that was already, you were already in. Yeah, yeah. So that that's how it got started. And then when we knew for sure, like she had the, um, the departments, whoever, look into it, you know, and make the decision. Like, is this going to be viable? Is this something to go after? And when they said, yeah, we think this is going to be a real program, then, um, you know, the board basically gave her the green light. And then we, she actually, we went to Houghton in New York and we went to Asbury in Kentucky. And that way I was able to talk to their directors of their equestrian programs. Mm -hmm. And um, she also talked to their president and their board members. And we just talked to them, spent the day with them, asking them, you know, how's the, your equine program going? What do you do? You know, the ins and outs and stuff. And that was very helpful because I remember telling her early on, I said, I really don't feel like I can give you a, a yes or no answer because I've never done that before. Right. I mean, I know what I can do, but I've never done it in a university setting before mm-hmm. um, where it's an actual college program. I'm just telling you up front, being honest with you, I don't know. So I would really like some way of getting more exposure to it before I just give you a flat out, yes, I'm going to do this. And so those two visits were really helpful. And I'm still in contact with those directors. They were both, they made themselves available to me. Had they been doing, oh, had those programs been around for? A long time. long time. Yes. Yeah. And it was great when they started, they started literally with nothing. It was, it was like a passion, a horse, and a few kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so they built it from the ground up. Wow. And for them, they said, you know, the first year, it was just one or two kids. And by the second year, it was like the word had spread. And then they said after that, it was a snowball. They just, wow. they could not keep up with it after that. And, you know, from there, they expanded. And I know Asbury, um, they have over a hundred students enrolled just in the equine program wow. and Houghton has close to a hundred, uh, over 80 plus in their equine program. So it, it, it's very, it's a large program in both of the, their universities. That really is. Now, are there very many uh, programs like that in, in the United States? 
I, for me, I, I looked into seeing for Christian universities mm -hmm. and there's only five now with, you wow. with GU, I believe being the fifth. Okay. Yeah. So for, as far as, um, and that's not just Methodist universities, that's, that's overall like Protestant universities oh, sure. that offer an equine program. There's only five, but I know there's more than that. Um, around, but there's, it's not like something that's offered on every corner though. Well, I, yeah. I wouldn't think so. No. There's a lot that has to go into it. Mm -hmm. Just finding the right person like yourself. I mean, it, there's so much that goes into any program, any university program, let alone something that involves lots of animals and mm -hmm. the right people. Yeah. So, so you visit these, you visit these universities, these colleges, and you, you get the feel for it and you decide, you get the okay. Where do you go from there? So we started um, just by, I think it was, we, there was already a connection like GU. And I, I have to say beforehand that I, I didn't have any affiliation with GU prior to this. Right. So when I came in, I was literally what I would say like a fish out of water. And just having to tell everybody, you have to tell me how things work here. Yeah. I know my side of things. Mm -hmm. I know how I would do my side of it which is the horse side, but I don't know how we're going to mesh academia and horses together. And honestly, it was new for everybody because oh, yeah. GU's never done an equestrian program. So from the get-go, I feel like we've all kind of walked side by side. Yeah. Like, so when the new thing came up, it was like, oh, here it's new. Let's all figure out how we're going to deal with this. And so everybody, I've, I've loved getting to meet everybody at GU. There's... Um, Definitely a lot of wonderful people at GU and have a real um, heart for the students and a heart for GU, you know, yeah. and wanting to see it succeed and make an impact on students' life. So being able to witness that and talk to people, that was inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. And that also encouraged me and said, yeah, I, I can see myself being a part of this organization. Mm -hmm. So that was um, helpful to me in moving forward with them. And so I, they already had a strong psychology department. Um, they already had, um, connections with, um, like pre-vet and their science lab. Oh, yeah. And so f I think for the academia side, for them, it was easy to see a shoe in with, um, curriculum on the horse side, like horse science courses mm -hmm. and, um, equine assisted services, which is a therapeutic approach with horses. Okay. That's the psychology side of it. Yes, all. exactly. So for them, they're like, how are we going to get this started? Let's mm -hmm. merge with our existing departments and combine that with what is going on in the horse world you know, those two, how they would fit together. And that's how they started creating the courses. And then the biggest thing though, is that of course the mission of GU is character and service. Mm -hmm. And President Davis really wanted to focus on how horsemanship can, can bridge those two things together. Mm -hmm. So you're wanting to have a student use horses to develop character and service. Great, that's super easy in my eyes because mm -hmm. <laughs> I sure. see that every single day with people working with horses and how horses changes you and just builds you as a person. Um, so I think that's why also they they're creating and we've created like four horsemanship courses, like one through four so that the students are going to go through where they're working and riding with the horses, but the courses themselves are designed to challenge the students to connect to it more on a spiritual, emotional, mental level. Yeah. And not just, oh, I'm out here handling a horse and riding. There's so much more to it. Yeah. And then to be able to accomplish these things with this horse and just being able to control a thousand pound horse as a feat all in itself. Right. 
But then to take their knowledge and their experience and what it's done for them and then be able to then take it and use it for other people that have a real benefit to it. Like I know in, in my business, I do a lot of volunteer for like Eden's Glory mm-hmm. and also for any organizations that want to come out, whether it's autism or the Bond Christian Service mm-hmm. Camp, we host a camp every year for um children and I know a lot of emphasis is on um even with students or stu- children that are in um poverty low incomes mm-hmm. because lessons are expensive oh. horses are expensive there's just no way you can get around it so anytime you can let people experience have the horse experience you know without it costing an arm and a leg that's part of my goal too because I remember what it was like growing up. My parents couldn't have afforded lessons for me. Oh, sure. That just yeah. wasn't going to happen. So somehow, though, God has, you know, that's how he always does. He works it. So here I am providing the horse experience. I didn't get that when I was younger. It was it was definitely like um, learning by uh, foolish measures and yeah. getting hurt in the process. <laughs> but, you know, God takes what, you know, our troubles and our problems, and he turns them around and uses them for good so that we can help other people. Yeah. And I see that so much with the horses. And that's what I know we're going to be able to do with the students at GU. It's just going to be so easy to use the horses as a bridge to the service in the community I think so. to do things with them there. I watched something um, since I last saw you. Um, I, I got hooked on um, a, a show called, oh gosh, um, Homestead, Homestead Rescue. Have you ever watched that? No. So there was one episode. Um, it was interesting, you know, any kind of bar rescue you know it's usually like a restaurant or something like that well this was homestead rescue and it was all these these folks um living off the grid grid and trying to have a homestead and raise livestock and whatnot and there was one family in particular and the husband had served uh two tours in iraq and he had ptsd Mm, mm -hmm. and he said the only thing that helped him was horse therapy yeah and so he was providing that now for other vets Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um it was really moving and it was really, it was interesting. And and I think that's a lot of what you're talking about. It's, it's something about it. It's almost a, it's spiritual and magical and they get that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably clears their mind from other other things. That's actually a great observation there. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge because I... Focus has to be. It does. On that horse. Yeah. The horse is so powerful. Mm-hmm that they basically overpower all your other senses. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to get that horse to trust you. Mm-hmm. And I like what you did. And I don't know if this is part of it, what you did with me when I came in. You handed me a brush. You said, here, just brush her. And I'm like, all right. And as you're doing that, though, I think that's part of it. You're connecting with that horse. And that right. horse is getting to trust you because you're there yeah. helping her. Yeah, know? exactly. So I would imagine that's kind of like step one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes just coming to the horse and saying, all right, get on. Yeah. That it can be intimidating. And I think from the get-go, my goal with people is always to right away introduce a level of comfort Mm -hmm. and safety. Because I wouldn't be doing this job if I couldn't guarantee you some level of safety. Now, we're dealing with an animal, a prey animal, (laughs) who weighs a lot. And their reaction time is like a second. So regardless, we always have a risk with horses. We can never get away from that. But I wouldn't be in this job if every day I went out and say, well, I hope somebody doesn't get hurt today. You know, even though that's always in the back of my mind, I just couldn't work in that type of environment. So like I've dedicated my life to ensuring the safety of 
my students and the safety of the horses right. because I don't want to worry that, you know, something could go terribly wrong, even though that's always there. Mm-hmm. Um, I always take steps to ensure the safety of myself, the horses, and others um, because that's what yeah. part of what makes the job enjoyable. But yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. And just going back to what you said earlier about the connection with the horses, I could just give you countless, countless examples, but for the therapy side of it, you know, I've had, um, therapists become involved because one example was just, um, a family with twins and the boy had, um, spinal bifida. And so he would have to go for therapy twice a week, 30 minutes each, and they would stimulate what a 30 minute walk would be for him because they have to, in order to help that area continue to grow and develop without that, it would get worse. And, um, he, he, you know, he's 12 years old. He doesn't want to be in a hospital twice a week. And then at home doing a half hour therapy every day. And so the therapist said, try horseback riding. And so they called me up and they, they brought him and just, you know, after several weeks, um, it might've been a month, um, the therapist already had seen a a change and she said, if you want, she said, try and do that twice a week instead of here twice a week, because he obviously enjoys it. And, you know, here it's a sterile environment. He's, he's in pain because we're forcing that area. Whereas if he's on the horse, the horse is doing it for him. Yeah. And so they stayed with me for several years because it made such a difference. And by the time he left and when they quit lessons, he was riding the horse all by himself. He was walking, jogging, loping it. And um, that was one of my first major exposures to the physical side of how therapy with horses can make a difference. There's other sides too. Yeah, the physical's big, but other sides with the autism and the emotional, there's just so many. Yeah, the autism, that's interesting because I wouldn't have thought about that either. Um, I've seen, because some autistic children uh, are leery of animals in, in general. Um, how has, have you, was there an example of one trying to, like, really connected with, with the horse? Yeah, I think, I, I have some right now that, oh, okay. that come, um, you know, it depends on, on the spectrum, like where they're at, because right. there's, there's various kinds where some I would say are, um, function just fine. Right. You know, they can understand instruction, they can do it. Um, and there's others that require more mm-hmm. instruction. And then there's, it, it continues on from there where they have to have more assistance. Um, the most, one of the most extreme cases I ever had was, um, I, a girl that, um, had, I would say full blown autism. She, um, had trouble speaking and, um, she was blind and, um, she was in a wheelchair cause she had other disabilities as well. But, um, sometimes in that case, like their sensory is so strong that when they come, they do a lot of yelling or screaming Yeah. when she would get on the horse, she would go silent. And then her parents would then talk to her and ask her to say sentences. They would sing twinkle, twinkle, little star. They would sing the ABCs. They would have a conversation with her. And that was made possible because of her being on the horse. And when I researched it, you know, the biggest explanation I could find for that was that in their mind, we just can't understand what's going on. Right. I'm sure it would give us a headache, the the sensory overload. Mm-hmm. But for the horse, that motion and their presence is so powerful that it basically overloads them. And so they, they kind of get drawn into the horse's movement and their own just kind of dims. So it's almost like, a moment of respite, I would say for them yeah, to, to, so. to come out of their, their world of 
sounds and overload of yes, stimulation. Overload. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that was the amazing part for me. But even that just, I know when they come out to the barn and they get around the horses, you just see them visibly relax. Yeah. And, and there's something visually relaxing about seeing horses. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's the size and just there's a beauty. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. I think that's part of it. They do. And they're amazing. And you don't see them every day. Right. There is that wow, that fascination. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do have the wow factor. They do. They really do. You see them every day. I know. I I always forget that part. But yeah, I have to agree with you. So you've got students now. Um, How is that all going? How many students do you have? In the GU program? program. Yes, there's 11. Okay. Yeah, there's 11 students in the GU program, and that's going great. Yeah, It's been, um, for me, it's kind of just been um, a connection to what I do every day with my own students, except it's more extensive because they're with me for longer, and I have them a couple times a week, whereas students at my place only come for once a week. But these students, it's also, I, I enjoy it because I say it in my own program at home, I don't see a lot of college students right. and that's because they're all off at college. <laughs> so it's all adults and children or, you know, youth under the age of 18. So it's really neat to interact with this age group mm-hmm. on a more consistent basis. Um, it's just great seeing them to develop um, as a young person. And it's also good to see like with college kids, you know, when they are working with the horses, it's the same thing as everybody else. When they hit a problem with the horse, they still have to decide how am I going to handle this? Yeah. And that's a great first step to the whole character bit, you know, because yeah, how are you going to handle this? Because I can, I'm going to show you the tools, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Yeah. And it's great because you have a healthy form of peer pressure in that group because they all want to support each other Mm -hmm. and they all want to do what the other person's doing. So that's motivating for them, like working through the problem. But even more than that, like the horses are an enjoyable aspect of their college experience. And we're only finishing out the first semester right now, but I hear from them a lot. They're like, I'm so glad to be out here at the barn. Like, this is great. I just love this. This is what I look forward to. And I, this took my mind off my test coming up. I hear that from yeah, mom all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, it takes you out of yourself, you know, and, and everything. And even like I heard, I overheard two girls um, talking in the barn the other day. And she was saying that um, I guess she had thought she was going to um, um, not, she, I think she was thinking about going online is what I think she was thinking of doing oh, for, gotcha. for her second semester. Mm-hmm. And I heard her say that, no, she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on campus next semester because I, I really don't want to lose the horses. Yeah. She goes, I love this program. So I don't know if that'll come to be or yeah, not, but it's <laughs> okay. like, yeah, it's working. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> had, had, were there any of them that had not had the experience with horses before they got into it? A few, okay. you know, in this first group, I had a lot that had quite a bit of experience okay. with horses. So for me, that was a little challenging because in a college class, you're, you're merging those two right. levels experienced and someone that doesn't know much. And that can be a little challenging, um, because you don't want the experienced one to get bored right, and give up or quit. Cause mm-hmm. well, this isn't challenging me, but then at the same time, you don't want to leave the beginner behind yeah. and, and overwhelm them so that they feel like I can't do this. So you have to find a way to tailor the exercises. 
so that the experienced is getting challenged and the beginner is gaining confidence. And so that's my goal I see as the instructor in the program, um, just because of how we have it set up right now. But overall, it's great because the experience can help the beginner. Yeah, there you go. And the beginner, you know, learns by watching the experienced. So it's working out. Like, I don't think we've really had any major hiccups in those sessions due to that, as everybody is just kind of, for one, they're just happy to be out there yeah. <laughs> with the horses. Yeah. And the second part is even the experienced ones, when they write their uh, weekly ref- weekly reflection papers, it's neat to read them because they're like, well, I thought I knew something. Uh-huh. But, you know, after, you know, watching Liz teach us, wow, I, I didn't know that. Or so they're like, there is a lot to learn with horses. You know, I thought I knew how to ride, but I never didn't never had learned that way. So you're you're st- they're still learning, even though they grew up with horses. You're and even I tell them too, like even today, I'm still learning. I'm yeah. still studying and growing myself. So it's it's been a good experience, I think, for all of us. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. I, I love that they don't have to have that experience either. So right. I think um, that's good for people to know because I would have thought at their age, if I was going to a university and they offered that, I probably would have shied away because I would have thought, well, you probably have to have experience to do that. True. You know. And uh, that's nice to know. You yeah. have to. Yeah. And we try to be vocal about that even when we're on the recruiting yeah. process. Like this is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, really, it's we're providing a horse experience. And we try to reach out to all levels of, of interested horse people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to make it a community where all of them can feel like they can belong. That's great. Yeah, I... I wasn't sure about that. I thought that that's was that was the case, but um, I if I were their age, I I would be uh, if I didn't know that yeah. I would, you know, I, I would give up. Yeah. So I'm glad that they they didn't and they get to know it. So it sounds like it's all going well. You said you have a eleven, did you say? Mm-hmm. And um, what do you what do you think things are going to be like next year? Has there been more people reaching out? There has been. Uh-huh. There's been a lot of interest and we can judge it. Of course, last year was our first year and it was like yeah. a blitz, yeah. <laughs> right? Put it out there, see who wants to come. So there's been a lot more um, advertisement out. And so we've definitely seen that uh-huh. in the recruiting process. We're a lot more inquiries, people that are asking about the program. And then we just finished an equine visit day out there and we had um, 10 for that, I think that signed up to come. Yeah. So I haven't really looked at the recruiting numbers for people that have um, signed up yet for next year. I know that the funnel is very large. Mm -hmm. Um, It'd be great if we could get everybody in that funnel, but of course that doesn't really seldom happen. But I know we set our enrollment for like around 20. That that would be great. Yeah. For next year. And if we hit that, that would be awesome. Yeah. Do you think um, you'll be looking for an assistant? Well, we have, you know, um, I have a wonderful assistant right now, okay. <laughs> Alicia Harrison. Um, she is she's kind of split between two worlds too. She's on the recruiting side, and she's um, the um, assistant equ- equestrian director. Okay, so she's already. I have not met her yet. Okay, yeah, yeah. You'll have to meet her. Um, she comes with a a wealth of horse experience herself. Oh, um, she's a major of equine science and. She's had a lot of experience um, traveling around, working with other trainers. And so I do feel like I have an assistant already and she's working beside me, learning from me, like how I'm teaching and doing things. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I'm sure once, I mean, the goal is, is of course, if, if we expand, of course, we're going to need, you know, yeah. more instructors to to teach courses and stuff. But she's she's definitely there. And I think of her as my right hand, practically. Because yeah. <laughs> in, in a program getting started, you definitely need all the help you can get. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting off to a great start. There's great feedback. Um, I've talked to a couple of students that just love it. Uh, just briefly, but I'd, I'd love to get I'd love to get them in here at some point. Yes, talk a little bit more about their experience. But um, yeah, congratulations, great job, and and you can tell that you love it, which is so important. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it if you don't love no. it. It's it, the work is too hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of work too. I it mean, is, yeah. Just caring for horses, and then with your other, with your your own business, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's got to be a labor of love. And uh, I just love your story and how how it all just happened with Grandpa's horses. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. And I love. I yeah. I I think this is a good one for um, young entrepreneurs to listen to too, whether it's horses or something else. So I appreciate you sitting in with me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you, and thank you for again hosting me the other day. And I plan to come back. And- oh, I hope you come back. We're gonna well, trail ride. yes, we're gonna trial ride. We're gonna have some fun. <laughs> I couldn't stop talking about it. And I thought, you know, you, you kind of go in, you watch people on TV riding. And whatnot. Oh, yeah. And I felt like <laughs> I actually steered the horse. Yeah. so excited about that. Yes, so, that's what you want. Cause, yeah, you have the whole Hollywood experience. Yeah, that's what I felt. <laughs> I felt like, uh, I could go out on a posse. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I'm looking so forward to it. Good. The horses are lovely. They're beautiful. You're doing a great job out there, um, and kudos to Greenville University and President Suzanne Davis for connecting with you yeah. and getting this all started. Yes. So thanks a lot for being here. Thank you. And uh, we'll check in again uh, with Liz and the program, maybe next year, see how things are going. I want to thank you all for listening to the Greenville Smart Podcast, where we try to get a little smarter with every new uh, person we have in here, and uh, we're getting there. So I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Greenville University, of course, the Greenville Chamber of Commerce, Radford National Bank, and Entertech Global. And we will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.